This Week in Agriculture, a production of the Red River Farm Network. With a look at markets, I'm Randy Conan. Most farm prices move lower from September to October. Nationally, corn averaged 4.93 per bushel during October. That's down from 5.21 in September. USDA's monthly update on ag prices said soybeans averaged 12.70 per bushel, down from 13.20 in September. Spring wheat went the other direction, increasing from just over $7 a bushel in September to 7.22 in October. Feeder calf prices rose from 2.79 per hundredweight in September to $297 a hundredweight in October. According to the U.S. Grain Council's Corn Harvest Quality Report, the 2023 corn crop was the largest crop on record with the lowest percentage of damaged kernels and foreign material. 88% of the samples tested met the requirements for U.S. number one yellow corn. Nearly 97% met the grade for U.S. number two yellow. The council will present those findings to global grain buyers in a series of meetings beginning December 12th. Due to low water levels, ships are backed up and waiting to move through the Panama Canal. The Panama Canal Authority is responding by offering an additional slot with it, going for the highest bid. The vessels waiting 10 days or more are eligible to participate in the auction. By February, the PCA plans to reduce the number of daily transits through the Panama Canal from 32 per day to only 18 a day. H.J. O'Neill Consulting is reporting these auction slots can sell for 2 to $4 million. For a ship hauling grain that wins an auction slot for $2 million, the freight costs from the U.S. Gulf to China would increase 50%. Congestion at the Panama Canal supported the wheat market this week. Northern Crops Marketing and Investments President Brad Paulson said low water levels are backing up shipping through the canal. And there's talk that you know, some oil tankers were turned around or did turn around on their own today because their wait's too long. And there's talk that maybe some grain ships and grain purchases may be switched to the U.S. Uh, because of uh, logistic problems that are going through the Panama Canal. Paulson thinks much of that demand will shift to the PNW. Uh, mostly the PNW, but probably a little out of the Gulf, too. That's kind of been an ongoing story. It's been dry down there for a year or so, kind of a droughty area. Normally, you don't have that problem, but... You know, the Panama Canal is getting old and the ships keep getting bigger, and I just think it takes, you know, more water and longer to get the bigger ships through there. Saw a two-sided grain trade by Friday. Global Commodity Analytics and Consulting President Mike Zuzlo thinks much of the pressure that we're seeing in the grains is back and fill pressure as traders watch Chinese demand. Really, this is a market where we've seen a very big shift. The ag commodities this week, and it's been a big week for us, and I think, listeners out there might want to consider um, thinking about this in, a, in more of a big picture and important implications, I think, for 2024 coming out of this week. And, and the commodities in the ag sector have traded both sides of the U.S.-China trade relationship. We were positive coming out of the meeting between the two presidents in San Francisco. We saw that get pushed into the market price some, I think. And then we saw the cancellations and the pushing out potentially of the French purchases by China on Monday, Tuesday. Speaking at the Minnesota Canola Council's Canola Symposium this week, Intellifarm President Brian Voth takes a contrarian view to the canola market. Voth sees stagnant export demand. Short term, I guess I'm going to say probably sideways to probably a little bit higher. Longer term, though, I'm still the bearish guy. And that's a little bit 
abnormal for me. Normally, I'm the bullish guy. I can find a, a case for things to go up. But to me, I think we're still coming down off of these 21, 22 highs, and I don't think we have found our ultimate floor price yet. That's a look at markets. This Week in Agriculture, I'm Randy Conan. North Dakota Farmers Union. It's back. The North Dakota Farmers Union's annual state convention, December 15th and 16th at the Bismarck Event Center. Are you curious about the property tax debate, the farm bill, or the farm economy? Learn more at this fun two-day event that features ag education, prize giveaways, plenty of time to catch up with friends, and more. To register, download the new NDFU app or go to NDFU.org. That's NDFU.org. Don't miss the dry bean scene every Friday at 1235 on the Red River Farm Network. Specialty crop markets are special and require more digging than corn, soybeans, and wheat. We do that digging by talking with numerous crop scouts, growers, and processors in the North Harvest region or wherever beans that affect local markets are grown. So follow the dry bean scene every Friday at 1235 on this Red River Farm Network station. The dry bean scene brought to you by the North Harvest Bean Growers Association. A look at news this week in agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. More Americans filed jobless claims this past week, pushing the overall number of people collecting unemployment benefits to its highest level in two years. A total of 1.9 million people were collecting unemployment at mid-month. The number of claims has increased in nine of the past ten weeks. USDA's National Ag Statistics Service says U.S. farmers hired 776,000 workers during the week ending October 14. That's down 1% from a year ago. Farmers paid an average wage of $18.81 per hour during the reference week. That's 6% more than a year ago. Net farm income is down more than 20% from last year's record high. USDA is forecasting farm profits at $151 billion, down from $183 billion in 2022. Economic Research Service Administrator Spiro Stefano said farm debt is increasing, but the value of farm assets is growing at a faster rate. Stefano feels the result is a fairly healthy financial situation for the farm sector. The Environmental Protection Agency's pilot project to protect endangered species is being condemned by major farm groups. The Vulnerable Species Pilot Project would drastically impact how farmers apply crop protection products. American Soybean Association Chief Economist Scott Gerlt says it would affect 13 million acres of cropland and add significant costs to farm production. USDA is pretty skeptical of this proposal as well. They think this could have a very large negative impact and that EPA could do things that are a lot more targeted and not so negative. As one part of this proposal, if you're in certain areas, you have to consult Fish and Wildlife Service at least three months before for applications. USDA is skeptical that Fish and Wildlife Service has the manpower to even do this. The EPA has until next September to determine the final scope of this pilot project. Larger-than-expected yields are leading to logistical challenges. Iowa State University Extension economist Chad Hart says getting grain moved is a challenge. We are seeing probably the biggest corn crop we've ever had. The soybean crop, while not a record, is still pretty good for the acreage we had out there. So we got a lot of supply that we're trying to figure out what to do with at a time when we're having trouble moving stuff around. 
and that's what's causing some pricing problems, especially as we look here in the upper Midwest. Hart says logistics is backing grain up on the farm. What we're seeing is, is a big problem, whether you're looking to move the, you know, use rail to hit the, the P&W or to move down the river to try to reach the Gulf. The idea is both those transportation mechanisms are having problems right now. Either we're short rail cars up here on the northern end, we're short water on the southern end. So the barges can't be loaded as full as usual, and that is backing grain up here back in farm country. Agriculture is in the crosshairs for the COP28 climate summit in Dubai. World Animal Protection released a report claiming large-scale animal agriculture is responsible for at least 11% of global greenhouse gas emissions. The head of this summit is calling on governments to sign a leader's declaration to include agriculture and food systems in the climate change debate. This agenda includes a proposed 10-year moratorium on new large-scale animal agriculture farms and more plant-based food production. Developed countries, including the United States, will be advised to limit meat consumption. The Biden administration is considering its next steps in the ongoing trade dispute with Canada over dairy market access. The U.S. contends Canada illegally denies access to its dairy products, but a USMCA trade dispute panel disagreed. With a look at news this week in agriculture, I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. Farmers and ranchers have a lot of choices to make. When it comes to your crop insurance needs, the team at Egg Country Farm Credit Services can simplify it all for you. Egg Country's Optimum tool will compare thousands of options based on information from your farm, which will then be used to find the right policy for your operation. Ask about the Optimum tool by contacting your local Egg Country office. Egg Country, focused on egg, focused on you. Thanks to the American farmer for putting food on the plate, clothes on our back, and fuel in our tank. Your work is measured in acres, not hours. The Red River Farm Network is here to deliver farm news, markets, and weather information to the best farmers in the business. From Rugby to Benson and Roseau to Aberdeen, the Red River Farm Network covers agriculture. Go online to rrfn.com to find your local Red River Farm Network radio station. Podcasts are also available online at rrfn.com, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. With a look at weather this week in agriculture, I'm Randy Conan. Endon Director Daryl Richardson says the weather outlook for the Northern Plains remains relatively mild. Temperatures have been close to seasonal averages. I just don't foresee any big storms anytime soon. Uh, temperatures will fluctuate up and down, but people have to remember that our average highs now are only in the 20s, and our average lows are in the single digits. So really, although I'm not going to say it has not been cold <laughs> the last couple of days, it really hasn't been cold for the time of year. And really, um, looking forward um, in the next, say, six to ten days, we'll probably see more days with above-average temperatures than below-average temperatures. So really, all in all, pretty quiet pattern should continue for a while longer. In the last crop progress report for the 2023 growing season, 93% of North Dakota's corn was harvested. That's ahead of the 82% average for this date. Sunflower harvest equaled average for the date at 82% complete. Stock water supplies rated 87% adequate to surplus. 
Heading into winter, South Dakota's topsoil moisture rated 73% adequate to surplus. According to the weekly crop progress report, 96% of the corn is in the bin. That compares to the five-year average of 91%. 89% of South Dakota sunflowers have been harvested. That's ahead of the average pace of 84%. Minnesota's crop year ended with widespread snow and mostly frozen fields. The only crop reported in the weekly crop progress report is sunflowers. 95% of those have been harvested, which is in line with the five-year average of 96%. Going into freeze-up, nearly half of Minnesota's subsoil moisture supplies are considered short to very short. Minnesota Farm Service Agency State Executive Director Whitney Place said this year presented no shortage of disasters across Minnesota. Disaster declarations have triggered certain programs across the state. With about 46 disaster designations, impacting every county, so all of the 87 counties in Minnesota, as either a primary or contiguous uh, designation. Uh, so those disasters included drought, like you said, excessive rain and snow, hail, uh, high winds and severe storms in some areas. So, you know, if farmers think that they're in one of those counties, they probably are, but uh, those disasters can impact the different programs that are available to them. So they should really be in communication with their local county office. And El Nino typically brings warmer and drier winter conditions to the Northern Plains. Nutrient Ag Solutions Principal Atmospheric Scientist Eric Snodgrass spoke at a BASF event in Fargo this week saying El Nino is punching below its weight class. We're not yet seeing the typical El Nino behavior, so I'll question whether or not it's going to do what it typically does, which is to give us a more mild winter overall. I don't think we're going to have that. I think we're going to have at times some pretty deep cold that will get into the area, and I still think we're going to be in decent terms of precip, which is what we want. We actually want to have a pretty nasty winter, believe it or not. It's actually good for the soil. Put in that snow, it's good for the melt in the spring, and overall it gets us in a better position for the following year. I don't think it's going to be as big as last year in terms of snow in the northern plains, but I'm, I'm optimistic overall about what the next uh, four months is going to look like. Many of the driest areas in northwestern Brazil expected to see regular rounds of rain this weekend through December 13th. World Weather Incorporated says although the rains will not be heavy enough to raise soil moisture to normal levels, it will be enough to improve crop conditions across much of the region. Southern Brazil will see regular rounds of rain that will keep field work slow, and central Brazil should see a good mix of rain and sunshine. World Weather says Argentina will also see a good mix of rain and sunshine, favorable for field work and crop development. That's a look at weather this week in agriculture. I'm Randy Conan. While the rest of the world is still asleep, the local cafe is coming to life. The coffee's on, the rolls are in the oven, and the regulars are coming in to claim their tables, just like clockwork. Everyone knows that you best be on time or risk paying the price. Even Jack from Choice Bank down the street. All right, all right. Coffee's on me. When it comes to choosing a banker, find someone you'd want to grab a coffee with. Choice Bank, top North Dakota ag bank for 10 years running. Imagine this. You gather a stadium full of farmers, step up to the podium, and tell them about your business. What would that be worth to you and your company? This is Don Wick from the Red River Farm Network. We fill that stadium every day with some of the most progressive-minded, forward-thinking farmers and ranchers around the world. Find out how the Red River Farm Network can carry your message to farmers and ranchers. We're the Red River Farm Network, and we're reporting agriculture's business.